0: MyPatriotSupply.com
1: 18 plus. Hi guys, I'm May, and welcome to my podcast Phenomenal and Asian, a podcast aimed to redefine the Asian stereotype and share inspirational stories of those doing phenomenal things. This week's guest is Shu, or you might know her as Deja Shu, a food, travel and lifestyle blogger yes she gets paid to eat and travel we chat about life growing up in the uk about her parents owning a chinese takeaway because mine did too and how she wants to use her platform to stand up to the racism escalating from coronavirus i really hope that this podcast creates a space where we can openly talk about what it's like being Asian and how it's affected all aspects of our lives, and support each other through these tough times. Hi, hello. hello. Hi, May. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you?
2: I'm good, thank you. Working from home.
1: Yes. Yes, welcome from home. have you like properly been kind of cooped up inside you, yeah, you've been yeah yeah not leaving yeah
2: yeah so I've not left since like Friday I went out for a little bit of work and then came back and I've been like self-isolating since so oh wow yeah it's, it's so intense. hard
1: when the weather's so nice isn't it
2: <laughs> I know exactly and I'm like seeing outside and I'm like oh it'd be I think you take it for granted <laughs> like... don't you like going outside now I know
1: um, well, thank you so much. Thank for you for having me. Of course. Honestly, I mean, watching your YouTube videos. Absolutely loving them. Oh, thank you so <laughs> much. Oh, that makes you so happy to hear I'm it. I'm so excited to talk to you. Honestly, I'm oh. like, we are the same. We are the same person. Um, but I guess first of all, just kind of introduce who you are.
2: Amazing. Well, I'm Shu. Um, I'm now a full-time food, travel, and lifestyle vlogger on YouTube, and also freelancing and presenting and writing and video stuff. Um, I was born in london but i grew up in the south coast had a little stint in brighton and then moved down over to a small little village called lansing uh, where i grew up in a takeaway from six years old onward um, and then from there my parents opened several takeaways I opened a restaurant at one point in the village <laughs> your
1: takeaway takeaway child too <laughs> yeah
2: exactly yeah so it was called jade garden Um, But my dad actually worked in Chinatown before that. So on his third day of moving to England, he already went immediately into Chinatown and had to learn like right from the bottom because he didn't really know how to cook then, especially for a Western palate. But that was the only career choice that he could have had, you know, coming from China. Um, My parents are from Guangzhou, which is in the south. And uh, yeah, so he had to learn from the bottom. And then several years after that, he decided to start his own business. Um, and opened a takeaway so had to learn uh, to work there from a very young age learn to waitress from a young age so yeah very very proud takeaway wow. kids <laughs> not That's easy though very long hours not easy like I
1: actually don't think I saw my dad that much because yeah. he was just
2: in the takeaway yeah and then you never saw them I like, hardly saw them at like, things like parents evenings or you know like big birthdays or anything like that like that all of our friends would be celebrating yeah just barely saw them um apart from just meal times and that's going to going to and um, throw from school
1: and were you like ever embarrassed about your dad owning a takeaway I, just because I, I i was yeah i
2: think when i definitely
1: didn't tell people. i think
2: well i think everyone <laughs> knew it was ours anyway because we'd always be like downstairs playing or outside the shop and, and things but i think when when I was younger, I didn't really realise that it was so different until I went to friends' houses and was like, oh, this is like a semi-detached house or a, a flat or something, and it's so different to where I'm living. And I think that's kind of when I realised, I'm like, oh, you know, we're living above a takeaway, and it's so different to any of my friends. Um, and then I think that's when I realised I was, like, different from everyone else. Um, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I think there's a degree of being a little bit embarrassed because... Everyone knew where we were, everyone knew where my parents were. But then as I grew older, I think it was a lot more like, Oh yeah, cool, like it's cool that you stop by kind of thing and I'll see them at the
1: restaurant and things. Did friends like come come to the restaurant? Like Yeah, it, like, so like everyone Yeah, the- so it was like
2: people like classmates would come and like teachers would come down, which was always a bit weird if you've seen like a drama teacher having dinner with a husband and you're the waitress and you're like hi would you like some more red wine um yeah so that was cool they probably
1: didn't, didn't recognize yeah those. and then
2: you just have to awkwardly be like hello I'm your waitress for the evening I, and then I'll, I'll see you on Monday <laughs> um yeah it was, it was a really weird experience but um, it was also quite cool when you're seeing your best friends and their parents come down and you're there giving them extra food and things on the house and
1: stuff And like, what was your family kind of, I guess, relationships like, um, did you speak Chinese? Yeah, or... so I grew up speaking Cantonese.
2: So my dad speaks a tiny bit of English, but he's not as very like, very confident about it. Uh, my mum speaks English very well because she had to manage, you know, the front of house and everything and all the letters and things like that. Um, but we had to learn Cantonese from a very young age. We had to go to Chinese school every Sunday. Um, and we weren't allowed to speak oh, okay. English at home because my parents wouldn't have really understood. Oh, really? Yeah, and they wanted us to be able to speak our mother tongue as much as possible so we only watched um tvb which was like a hong kong um tv channel uh only listened to like 80s chinese music which is why i barely know any 80s like (laughs) english songs because i just listened to that on cassette tape like over and over yeah so it was that and then but our parents were very very strict as well growing up like we were barely allowed to go out we had to be very very studious we had carol forderman books Mm.
1: and how was that at like school like did you did you feel like you wanted to fit in or like i think do you know what i mean did you hide hide, yeah i think
2: i was more rebellious in the sense that i was always drawn to the arts Um, and uh, literature and obviously my parents would rather have me steer away from the arts Um, but I was always (laughs) like wanting to do drama and fine art and all of those things like English language um, always used to be scribbling away in order pads like little stories and things and my parents would be like no 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 when you're growing up you're going to be an accountant or you can be a lawyer or you can be you know businesswoman um, and all of those things but we got very we had very good grades at school um mostly because all we ever did at home was study um <laughs> and my, my sisters followed more like the paths down like going history and went to very very good universities and my youngest is actually studying in Oxford as well for a master's which was a huge achievement for oh, the wow. family yeah very very proud <laughs> <Is> <laughs> she's the probably the favorite yeah they're both the favorites they're both <laughs> very intelligent and just amazing young
1: women so very very proud and then okay, moving on to the way that you like felt about yourself growing up. Cause like I'm sure were all of your friends right. Yeah. Most of them mm-hmm. growing up. So, yeah, there's, there was only um,
2: one other Chinese family, but they ran the fish and chip shop down the road. Um, <laughs> I know, we're ticking <laughs> every stereotype. Um, and we were friends, which were, we were great friends growing up. Um, but apart from that, everybody, yeah, was Caucasian.
1: Like, how did you feel about your looks? And, like, because I... I never got the boys. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I was just like, my, my, like, because all my friends were like yeah. really pretty. So I was kind of their like, oh, Asian Oh,
2: same. <laughs> I was like the ugly duck in <laughs> school. I felt like the awkward, yeah. like, He's like, yeah God, I was always it. the one like you know the in-between person like oh um Josh likes you and then would be like oh okay let me tell him and like yeah. she likes you too and then like the person running to and fro that people would send around to tell each other I was being like oh yeah exactly the messenger and I was always like yeah just because I'm just the ugly duckling at school and so I feel like yeah it I really struggled um growing up because I am also a lot darker than what like Chinese people would want you to be so I felt like a lot of internal like racism growing up um, from other Chinese families and family friends and I was always told that I was too fat that I was too dark and that if only I should at the sun and how I need to hide when the sun comes out and I just grew up just hating the way that i looked and was so uncomfortable and i think it really did mess with my head especially being at school as well being like the one that looked so out of place and there wasn't anyone that looked like me Mm. there wasn't anyone on the tv screens that looked like me so i just felt like this awful ugly duckling um and there was like a really tragic thing that i used to do when it was like bath time and this is such makes me so sad whenever i think about it um and I always like have the bath lotion and you know how like it lathers up and it goes all like bubbly and stuff and I'd remember like slathering on my arms and my legs and my face and look in the mirror and being like oh I'm lighter now and I can like I wish I could look like this when I when I grow up or like maybe if I leave it on for a few minutes or a few like all during bath time then I'll come out and I'll be lighter and it was it's so damaging like to think I was what like between six, seven years old, but from then on until oh God, teenage years. Young. Yeah. Just always just thinking, like having this running narrative of my head of just not ever being like good enough for anyone. Um when at that age oh. you should you shouldn't be told those things, you know? know. It's, just, it's so damaging.
1: And you're doing it and like that literally that breaks my heart like thinking like hearing about it now, but I totally like I was exactly mm. the same. You know, feeling exactly the same. And it's like I feel like looking back, you also didn't realise how alone yeah. you were. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like um, like you were saying, there's just no role models. There's just no one you can't like even talk to your mum really because they just don't understand what it's like. Mm-hmm. Especially
2: us. growing up as well. I mean, like, I feel like growing up now is great, but also horrible at the same time, like having social media. But we only had what, like 17 magazine yeah. and like the only magazines and like CITV and things like that yeah like we didn't really have like Instagram and things Um, so there was never like loads of role models for us to see and people who looked like us reflected into our our
1: mainstream media for me like I I don't have um, the double eyelid and um, I wish that was all I wanted and I I remember like you know buying the tape oh yeah yeah and like trying to take yeah. my eyes. <laughs> I spent hours doing that at night, like trying to put my makeup on, like trying I to know. get bigger eyes. And like now you look, you look back and you're like, yeah, oh my it's, I know. And it's just
2: but it's weird, though, because when you were younger, that just felt right. Like that's like, of course, that's what I have to do. And like, of course, that's what I want to look like, because there was no, no other voice in your head to be like questioning whether this is the right way of thinking or not. Because it's just part of like a common yeah.
1: narrative, you know. Um, and then okay, so then what about like your dating life? Like, did you fancy Asian people, <laughs> or did you always kind of fancy, I don't know, like English, I think British for me, boys? like growing
2: up, I didn't really date until like I was like later on anyway. I was quite like a late bloomer. I always had like, um, but I would say because there wasn't any really only Asian guys in our proximity I was always more drawn to like British guys just because all of my friends were as well and you know what it's like when you're younger like one person fancied someone else at school then all the girls are like fancying the same person um (laughs) yeah yeah, and like obviously now since i moved to London I'm a lot more like open I'm not really have a type per se of like oh, i'd only date this type of guy but i think younger i definitely was only like oh i think i'm only attracted to a certain type of guy only because it was like the product of my circumstance at the time yeah, yeah i've never actually like full-on fully dated an asian guy though yeah but i'm open to it. like i'm i would actually think it'd be great to date an, an asian guy because then i like we'd have so much in common and there's be so many things within yeah. like the culture element like how to explain why a family Oh, eats, like yeah. this, certainly, or like these dishes or these traditions without well, having to be like, Oh, sorry, like we- we're gonna have to do this this way and this a different way. Um, I feel like it'd be so much easier <laughs> because I've, I've had it like so much easier, you're yeah, right, you're
1: right. I think cause cause it's, it's so hard me, explaining. I haven't actually come across, come across like many British born m- m- men, yeah, like, no, me neither, more females, like girls,
2: yeah, and I think, yeah, even in our community like meeting people is always British more Chinese girls
1: <laughs> no like, well they must be they must there, be so where our, are you they're probably all in their own
2: banking out. or like they're doctors or something so just n- never within
1: <laughs> okay well I'll find some for us <laughs> obviously you're like a vlogger writer presenter like all of these amazing things Um, how did you end up doing that?
2: It was so random actually because I watched YouTube from when I was like 15, 16 and I was studying drama at college at the time. And for some reason, landed the role of Alice in Wonderland when there was like, like five other Gabon girls in the class. <laughs> so, yeah, amazing though. At the time, i like thinking now, amazing. Like, That's a great Asian representation. Alan. I know. Um, <laughs> but at the time, I was like, this is so strange. Um, and I wanted to have practice in front of the camera just so I felt comfortable speaking to somebody so I remember it was actually like right before a shift before a takeaway shift on a Saturday night I just came back from Primark at the time and sat down and filmed like a one of those Primark shopping haul videos to nobody and uploaded it on YouTube <laughs> and then thought oh that's actually was quite fun it was kind of like quite nice pretending to be one of those beauty fashion vloggers so then I did another one and I started doing like styling videos and then it kind of grew from there then University started expanding into travel just because I've always seen YouTubers like documenting various chapters of my life to look back on, and that went really well. Um, that kind of went like mini viral. I did one on Hong Kong and Japan. Which are awful videos now, don't watch. And yeah. um, <laughs> and then a few years down the line, um, I entered a competition with YouTube Next Up, which was a program to train up and coming creators um, on production, on presenting, on editing. And I was one of ten people that was selected in London. Amazing. So we got so it was it was honestly one of the best weeks ever. So we got to spend a whole week um, with YouTube at the new YouTube space in Kings Cross.
1: Oh my God. That- it, it was so cool. it was like being back
2: at school it was so much fun because they put, uh, put us up in hotels down the road so every day it was just with the same group of people we had like one lesson on lighting one on sound one on editing one of a channel manager to talk about how to grow it as a personal brand and at the time I was still working wow. full-time and I never even entertained the idea of ever being able to monetize off it or like building a career out of it because I just didn't think it was a possible route for me anyway and the channel manager at the time kind of really encouraged me to um really focus on two niches because I was doing like everything at the time and to actually start thinking of it as a personal brand and a business um so then gave me a lot of advice and things to do and then um after that kind of yeah actually started looking into that Um, and then I was part of a casting call for TUI and we did like a five month travel campaign together which I documented on YouTube as well and it kind of just grew from there really.
1: Oh, my God. So and you get paid YouTube. to do this full time.
2: Yeah. So a lot of like if I'm not doing my own videos, um, a lot of like sponsored stuff would be with tourism boards or with hotels and brands and things like that to commission content. So they might say, here's the budget. Could you create two videos? Here's the brief and then kind of leave it up to us to build a video or a narrative around it um, to publish online, which is the best job ever.
1: That is insane. <laughs> you literally have the best job ever. No,
2: I like, love it. No, I can't this complain. This is what
1: yeah, like the next generation would die to do. Oh no, I can't <laughs> complain. It is an
2: incredible um career, just to be able to see more of the world and to meet so many amazing people along the
1: way, and to eat a lot. And like if you, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. I mean, eating, traveling, what like? I know. I'm missing it right now. But um, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Um, and so like. When you when you won all of these competitions and you did the YouTube like program, I guess, were you were you the only Asian vlogger? Yes.
2: There? Yeah, yeah. Actually, thinking back, I was. Um yes. It was weird because do you like think... noticed that. I think do yeah did like... in more and more things as well, like in our campaigns and things that I do there's is very very like limited representation in terms of like Asian creators in the UK and Mm. I desperately want to see more because there's a special kind of spark I think when you have so much in common and you've got shared backgrounds and shared values and things as well but um no there's not as many as I
1: would like (laughs) Wow, you're paving the way for the for the next oh, generation. Of I wouldn't say that, but yeah, I would creators. love to see more Asian
2: <laughs> Asian creators. Uh,
1: like are most of your followers, Asian.
2: Yes, so or... I would say like there's a large majority um are and they're all either like British-born Chinese or East Asians or they're Asian Americans. Have a lot in Australia as well, Canada. Um, so yeah, it's amazing because a lot of them also speak Cantonese or. They want ah. to find out more about the culture. So I sometimes do like Cantonese vlogs where I, I'm trying to like oh, practice cool. more about speaking Cantonese. Because if I'm not speaking to my parents, I don't speak to anyone in Cantonese. So it's kind of my way of yeah. trying to put myself out there and learn more from feedback from people on how to speak it better.
1: What do you think your community I guess especially your Asian community like what do they enjoy like I guess in a way they kind of just enjoy you being normal being you know doing everyday things yeah yeah
2: so a lot of it is kind of like talk about career things and obviously travel um, but also I think what draws a lot of um, conversation is talk about talking about identity um, and also talking about what fundamentally makes us British more Chinese and exploring our culture and our heritage more um, and like speaking up about things like that like you know issues that are currently happening because Mm. yeah I think things are happening and we all need we will have responsibility to to speak up about experience and also helping those who don't have a voice to defend themselves either Um, so yeah definitely don't take that responsibility lightly but also it makes me feel like I always want to learn more because I just never feel qualified to speak up about such important issues and I think it's quite scary as well to to speak up Definitely. about things like that Um and wanting to do right by the community and not mess it up.
1: What's the dream? Is it to be a presenter? On TV, or...
2: yeah. So, like, even from like a childhood dream, was always to be a TV presenter. Um, and kind of had my first, you know, debut into that this year, and it'd be great just to be able to explore that avenue more. And that is kind of like the goal of mine. Um, over the next few years, just to really build that up while still obviously keeping my YouTube channel because it's like my baby. Um, but yeah, exploring more of that and just doing more presenting stuff, like in front of the camera and being less behind the camera. And to leave that yeah. to the pros, because I'm
1: <laughs> definitely not a pro. <laughs> I mean, there's there's no Asian, British Asian presenters that I can even think of, like...
2: Yeah, I think it's... There's
1: I, definitely a gap in the market. Because
2: I, I grew up seeing, like, Gokwan, for example. I think he was, like, one that's, like, a really yeah. notable um, role model, I like, from when I was at work in The Takeaway and always used to have his shows on um every week and things. But in terms of, like, yeah, young... East Asian presenters it would be amazing to see more
1: female yeah female yeah exactly yeah, female definitely. as well so
2: yeah it'd be, it'd be great to see more representation in British media
1: like how have you found the confidence to do to do what
2: I think the confidence definitely grown since I first started doing it just purely because out of practice from doing it so much, you just grow a lot more comfortable in front of the camera. Um, uh, But it also comes in waves. I think on the whole, I would say I'm a pretty confident person and I love what I do. And every time I'm I'm in front of the camera talking about things, like it feels like a a true calling, even that's really cheesy, um, that this is what I (laughs) want to do. And this is what I'm meant to be doing. I want to be doing more of, but also the more you do, the more you want to better yourself. And I think that's when the confidence kind of wavers because I like, I think I have very, very high standards for myself personally. I think that comes from having a very Chinese background where you're constantly pushing yourself to do more and to strive to do better. Like it's never a moment of stepping back and being like, oh, well done. That was a great job. Like pat on the back. It's always like, okay, that's done. What's next? What else can I do? What, what more can I learn about? Um, so I think there's an element of imposter syndrome that's always at play of just never feeling mm-hmm. like um, you're doing the best that you can be doing. Um, I would say that's largely, yeah, coming from, you know, the upbringing of, always having to strive to have the top grades and things like that so it's hard not to be hard
1: (laughs) yeah like how would you say that being Asian has helped your career like it like I think maybe for me sometimes I always it's always that um thought at the back of your head to say you know look at what our grandparents or parents have Mm -hmm. done for us to get here so it's like that ingrained kind of Motivation that I need to, I need to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
2: exactly. Because they've sacrificed so much just to put a roof over our heads and food in our tummies, Um, and especially Mm -hmm. going down the route that our parents and grandparents have gone down, it's not easy at all to have done what they've achieved and done. And I can't even imagine like when my parents first moved; they were only about how they were about how i am now so i'm 28 this year so my mom had me when she was 28 uh no 29 uh but i can't imagine like starting a takeaway up from scratch not knowing the language in the different country now and to go down that route yeah. like the idea is just baffling considering like our upbringing has been so different to that um but i would say that's yeah. so
1: that's such a good like parallel in terms of um like your parents Came here, did the first like takeaway in is it Brighton. Yeah, so Lansing. It yeah, yeah,
2: Brighton Lansing.
1: In Brighton, and then you've now gone and um, got a career in like vlogging. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, imagine if your parents had heard that when you were like, oh crazy.
2: my gosh, like, they would have hidden every thing? single camera properly and was like you are not going down yeah. this route. <laughs> um, no, it's yeah, it's it's really strange to think like how our career paths have changed so drastically in the past 20 years and even as a female like being able to have so many more career options open to us that I can imagine like 20 years ago was simply not even an option to even think about that I, I can do this or I can start a career or I can be a career woman you know and I think what we have in front of us now is amazing but I definitely have been inspired and influenced by my parents because they are super super hardworking. they put in the hours they built things from scratch they taught us the importance and the value of money and hard work and they never let us have it easy <laughs> it was always like they were very mm-hmm. very strict on us and I think that's at the time hated it because everyone else's parents were so liberal and free-spirited and that mine was always like don't wear this don't do that have to do this sit down work read <laughs> Um, but now I think it's really instilled, you know, those important values that I carry out every single day. Couldn't have said oh, that better. Thanks. Honestly. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm sure with you as well, you know, with your your parents and your grandparents and, you know, the, the legacy they've created. Mm. And, um...
1: and you don't really notice, like you don't, Think about that until now. For sure, you mean you don't realize that when you're a rebellious
2: teenager, and then to now, like I have such a greater appreciation for my parents than when I did 15 years ago.
1: Like, how do you feel about being Asian? I
2: I, I'm so proud
1: to be British-born
2: Chinese these days, and it's a complete completely different attitude to what I felt when I was younger. I think there's I'm really really proud of my heritage I'm really really proud of the culture and um, I love being able to you know dabble between the two languages and to learn both parts but I also love having the British influence growing up as well and to, like infuse that to form who I am today um, and it's been great since moving to London as well just meeting so many more people who Look like me, and then we've got same interests and this common thread of you know our upbringings and how we grew up and things, and it's kind of like a, a missing piece of a jigsaw puzzle that you found that you've been looking for all your mm. life.
1: Both of us being born here, I've personally never really ever experienced any sort of mm. racism when I was growing up, um, and I'd say only now with the whole coronavirus that I've ever even felt like anything yeah do you know what i mean like like it's only been recently that i've yeah even just seen people looking at me more or like and i don't know whether it's me being mm. paranoid that's almost worse though isn't it because it's, it's like, like playing on your mind all the time yeah what are your so how are you feeling about the whole situation and-
2: i honestly think it's so heartbreaking to see more and hear more accounts of people experiencing this i've not i had two instances like two weeks ago when i came back from australia for a work trip and I think it was related because it was just like a few days before lockdown as well and like everyone was self-isolating and there was um a woman at passport control and then i was like holding my passport ready to go through the e-gate and she was like shouting at me in a in a sea of people just being like madam madam what passport do you have what passport and then i was like she saw it was a british passport she was kind of like oh it's british okay fine you can go and at the time i was a bit like oh okay it's probably not like I kind of was prepared for this I guess okay whatever and then um later on when I was meeting my taxi driver he kind of like looked me up and down and then before he was putting my case in the boot he put on plastic gloves and then um yeah put it put the suitcase in and then when he got into the car he immediately went did you come back from China or Korea and I was just like Australia he was like oh okay and kind of like did a nervous laughter and was like yeah yeah because they've um it's been brought to yeah. the UK now and I was a bit like mm. and normally I would like have called it out or I was, would have said something but because it was I was so tired at the time as well because it was like 36 hours of traveling and I just wasn't in the mood because I know that I'll probably like being an emotional person probably just like cried or something so I was like just leave it just leave it but um I honestly like I've heard so many more like even worse like personal accounts from Mm. friends from friends of friends and reading things in a news article I generally think it's really scary and it it does make me think after all of this is over what life is going to be like for Chinese and for East Asians um, and whether it's going to be okay to like just go out and about again or whether you know it's whether it's safe to do so without being scared that you'll be abused or attacked you know the need of self-isolation and this like the positives of this is that so many communities have come together and people seem to be a lot more like empathetic of one another um, going through there so I'm really hoping that this extended time of isolation will make people more open and also realize that it's not fair to blame an entire race or you know for something that happened Mm. um and it's a tragic thing that's happened as well like nobody wants this to be happening you know so it's just it's just an awful thing and it just makes me so scared of my loved ones and for people that I imagine like if they're unable to defend themselves it breaks Mm. my heart to think people like my parents if they're out in public and if they were attacked openly and they wouldn't be able to defend themselves in english that well um or yeah. people who, who are even older in the, in the older generations and they're going through that
1: like i just don't
2: yeah just i find it so upsetting
1: and i think it's harder like even like chinatown like that breaks my heart in terms of all of those businesses because no one was going to chinatown yeah. before lockdown
2: because uh, do because i had um people coming to me saying like oh you know it's so bad like my dad saying that we're not going to get Chinese takeaway tonight because he doesn't want to get the coronavirus. Uh, I was like going ballistic. It's just like, it's the same chicken. Like your sweet and sour chicken is going to be the same chicken used in like chicken burger from your local pub. Like it's the same chicken. It's not magically infused with the virus because it's in a Chinese dish.
1: Yeah, that really frustrates me. Like...
2: I just really, really mm-hmm. hope like after this that people are going to want to support their local businesses and local Chinese takeaways and East Asian eateries and even like businesses beyond food, you know, just yeah. It's just it's, it makes me really nervous to think what's going to happen, but I'm just going to remain optimistic mm-hmm. about it. No,
1: totally. And I think and you being like strong enough to talk about it, I think will help. Oh, so yeah.
2: I, I really up. want to be able to use the platform for more good and to speak up about these things more um yeah because it's Mm. I mean it's not a huge platform but I mean like even if it just helps to make one person feel better about about it or more aware actually this type of stuff is happening and it's happening like right in front of us and if people don't speak up about it people aren't aware you know um so yeah Yeah. I think it's definitely responsibility
1: did you have any advice for anyone who is feeling a bit vulnerable
2: at the moment like um, um one to reach out to allies to reach out to people and speak about it as well because chances are other people may already be feeling the same and it's always nice to have someone to you know talk about these things too and not to feel like you're completely alone in how you're feeling or that your feelings aren't valid um and to also try and come from it with an understanding that the reason people act out and the people think these things i like to think that people aren't out there to be malicious on purpose and that there's a reason for people to be fearful and paranoid and upset because of everything awful that's going on as well so it's kind of trying to be like empathetic of how people are feeling and to know that it's not necessarily a personal attack to you and it's just more reflection of how they're feeling internally um which might help you know, just to come at it from a different way rather than to come at it thinking like, oh, I've got to be, you know, aggressive back or I need to be the same back, at least for peace of mind. No, I
1: love that. You're so right. You know how I was saying before that that I I Mm -hmm. feel I was getting paranoid. I think like not talking to people about it, you do get more paranoid. Um you think about it more, you overthink it, and then it probably can get worse in your head than it really is. So so yeah, talking definitely talking as well to your non-Asian friends who can all give you a bit of sense to be like, no, we're not. Yeah, you
2: know, exactly. Or like, even this. if they <laughs>
1: can like, if they're with you and they kind of see, and then
2: they might be like, oh no, 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 like I I kind of felt the same as well. Like I feel like because I think right now everyone yeah. is cautious of each other because so people are already looking around whether, yeah. whether whatever your skin yeah, color is, exactly. whoever you are, people are already like looking around like, do you have it? Like, you know? So. <laughs> I think, but I do think like it is hard not to think that when you've read so much in the news about it as well. But yeah, it's coming at it from like a, at least for like a peace of mind, just to think like people aren't out there to be malicious. There are people that are out there to be malicious, but then ugh, uh, I don't, yeah, it's awful. They're
1: always, yeah, they're always regardless, be you know, there's always going to yeah. be
2: awful things happening. But just hopefully won't happen
1: exactly okay so to finish Yay. with something light yeah if you could eat any Ooh. chinese food right now what would you go for i feel like I'm yeah, craving yeah yeah chinese food so much because i can't like yeah um, you, like you well,
2: I, I can't food. cook like loads of dishes but i can cook like a few things
1: right okay yeah like i'm like well, especially now, with when there's no rice, mm, yeah, rice yeah, stir rice are harder. <laughs> <laughs> I just like dying. Yeah.
2: Oh, so, yeah, okay. Want? Um, eat, I really want like Chinese chicken rice, or mm. like dim sum, mm-hmm. like a prawn dumpling right now, like a bu- just a really huge yeah. basket. Yeah, like so like, mine, like prawn dumplings or like soup dumplings that would be very yes. welcome right now because i can't make that and i am yeah. really really bad <laughs> yeah
1: what would yours be oh that's a good one um i really like the, the really really specific i don't know what it is in chinese but in the, the dim sum it's like the <gasps> yeah. black spare rib
2: so good yeah yeah
1: Thanks so much for listening to this week's Phenomenal and Asian episode. I'll be releasing new episodes weekly. And do please follow us on Instagram at phenomenal.asian.
0: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen The Bride and Groom?